Oh, yikes, Mike. Too loud and too specific. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We're a twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. On Mondays, we give you a recap of the previous week's TVTLs, but on Fridays, we like to bring you a different kind of uh, piece, maybe an appreciation piece of some kind, and a lot of times we will do interviews with TENS and find out their origin stories and how they got involved with the show and how they started listening and all that. Christy will take care of that interview when the time comes. She joins me from the Scott's Miracle Grow Studios in Linwood, Washington tonight. Christy Wise, the nice lady. Hello. Hello, Mike. It's been so long. It has. It seemed like we we recorded very intensely for about three weeks and then we <laughs> then you got never spoke again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you've been stepping back in a little more and I've been stepping back a little more just the way I like it. Um, <laughs> so you just go away and we all forget you even existed? We're getting there. And part of that process is our guest tonight, Mike Farnan, joined us to um, do a recap a few weeks ago. Uh, hello, Mike. Hello. But we thought it was time for him to come in and do his, um, uh, I, I, I don't want to say duty, but <laughs> I don't think you can be a part of this show unless you've done this particular well, type episode. Also, the theme of today is duty. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I intended no pun, but yes, we're going to talk about <laughs> duty today. That's uh, Mike has chosen for a clip from TBTL history that involves crap. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we will be getting to know Mike. I did some light Facebook stalking, of course, and Christy will uh, put him through his paces as far as how he got involved with the show. We will do some housekeeping, of which we have a lot lately, and at the end, we'll tell you how to get involved. Maybe you can get on and sound super great on your fancy mic, just like Mike Farnan <laughs> did. All right. Uh, Mike Farnan, you are from White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Are you not? That, that's correct. Born, raised, graduated high school, all that? Yes. Yes. I I grew up in uh, White Bear Lake, Minnesota until I moved out here to uh, Los Angeles in 1993. So you... Uh, it's it's just about due north of St. Paul, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about 10 miles uh, northeast of St. Paul. Okay. So uh, have you ever seen um, the Stubot in the wild? I have not. I was actually just in Minnesota a couple weeks ago when Stu was there and Andrew and Luke were there. But I, it was a very short trip. So unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the meetup they had, even though I was in the state at the time. I was very disappointed. Mm-hmm. Well, he is a minor celebrity up there, so... You know, it's it's nice when you can throw that in, that name around in St. Paul, right? Yeah, yeah, especially since he works for Surly Brewery, which is one of my favorite beers that you can't get out here in Los Angeles. So I'm going to try and, you know, either beg and plead or use some sort of extortion to get Stu to give me free beer the next time I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> Appeal to his um, his vanity as a regional Twitter sports celebrity. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's good. You know, I, I'm a I'm a Twins fan, so I follow his musings on the Twins. 
which are always both funny and insightful. So I'm sure I could butter him up a little that way. Let me ask you a question because anytime there's anything in anybody's Facebook about sports, I want to get into it. So obviously born and raised Twins fan all your life, still follow the Twins. Do you do you use the MLB app or, I mean, do you – do you No, you, I mean I'm also a Dodgers fan, so, so that's where I uh, – put most of my energy just because the Dodgers are a much, much better team than the Twins are, so it's much more enjoyable to follow them. They but, certainly uh, try harder to be good. <laughs> that well, cannot be in any dispute. It, and it hel- helps that the Dodgers have about 50 times the amount of money the Twins do. Right, for, right. So that kind of makes life a little easier for the Dodgers. So, Well, that was that was kind of my, um, my next question was going to be, when you move to a place and you you more or less moved permanently. I mean, you've never gone back or moved anywhere else, right? That's correct. So obviously you're a crazy sports fan like me. And like when I was a fugitive, I, I became a Padres fan, you know, cause I was a fugitive in San Diego. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, you just kind of end up watching and, and rooting for the team that, uh, you know, where you're getting the most information and the most like um, stimulus, I guess. Well, yeah, and for me, part of the attraction of the Dodgers was for the longtime announcer, Vin Scully, who retired just this last year. But he was so great that, you know, I kind of lost touch with baseball, you know, during my teenage years when I kind of turned into somebody like Andrew, who was, you know, actively condescending towards sports fans and jocks. (laughs) But uh, moving to Los Angeles and hearing Vin Scully on occasion kind of sucked me back into baseball so for those of you who don't know i mean obviously everyone's heard the name vin scully before but um not only was vin scully i think vin scully was the greatest broadcaster of all time he did it in a in a way that nobody does it anymore and that is he did it all alone yeah yeah and and he also did it for 67 years and Mm -hmm. he had just an encyclopedic uh memory about Event, you know, so he would tell stories about a game that happened 50 years prior and, and what that was like to be there. So he really was a remarkable talent. And he just retired. This is his first season off. Um, yes. My, my question for you about the Dodgers in particular, I didn't want to get this deep into it, but it, it kind of fascinates me. Did, Time Warner still doesn't carry the Dodger games? No, Time Warner's the only uh, company that it's now Spectrum, but they're the only ones that carry the Dodgers because they oh, way, okay. they way overpaid for it, and now the other cable companies don't want to give them what they want uh, to okay. carry the games. I had it switched around, and I just think that's insane. Yeah, yeah, they they made just a terrible deal. I mean, it worked out good for the Dodgers because they now have all this money to play around with, but it's. It's bad for the fans. It's yeah, it's terrible for the fans if you can't get that cable company. So uh, I'm lucky enough that that's my cable company. But yeah, for a lot of fans, yeah, I think if I lived down there, that would have to be my cable company. I'd just yeah. be like, oh well, you know. Yeah, I, I guess I'm in on that. Um, or you would just steal my logins. Oh, absolutely. I, I steal. I steal you Christy's Xfinity. I steal her HBO. In fact, last night I had to get her password again. Because yeah, it's mean, been so Silicon long since Valley. I've been stealing. I was stealing. Uh, what's the show with the with? The, I was stealing Westworld, and I hadn't really watched anything since then. But last night I wanted to get back into Silicon Valley, so <laughs> I was like, "What's your password again?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I have uh, let my password out in the wild more than a few times as well. So <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I don't know about Xfinity, but I know HBO doesn't give a shit about it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you're you're from White Bear Lake, Minnesota, which uh, I was reading up on, and it is the home to the corporate headquarters of SmartCart. Yes, so, <laughs> <laughs> there's a feather in their cap. Right Absolutely. There. Some of the most frustrating equipment ever put in an airport. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mark Twain wrote about Great uh, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, uh, in his in uh, his book Life on the Mississippi. I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's actually a a kind of a monument to him in a park just a block or two from the house where I grew up that has a quote about White Bear Lake in it from him. So. I don't know if I've ever read the full book, but he did indeed. It was a big uh, vacation spot for people from St. Paul in the late 1800s. They would come up to White Bear Lake to the cottage, cottages along the lake to relax. Okay, but so the other thing that's notable about White Bear Lake, as I was reading about history of this town, I liked asking people about their hometowns and, and where they live and have lived. And uh, the mo- the most interesting fact in the history here was actual a uh, murder case. And I'm going to quote from Wikipedia here. It says, and I'm going to ask you to explain explain this to me. The murder of three-year-old Dennis Jurgens in 1965 at the hands of his adoptive mother, Lois Jurgens, was arguably the biggest scandal to hit the town uh, with her conviction in 1987. 1987. She killed her three-year-old in 65. What What happened? How did this thing get off the rails? They couldn't get her? I, yeah, they didn't get her, and then I don't know what precipitated it, but then in the 80s, they exhumed the body of her three-year-old son, who actually happens to be buried in the same cemetery that my dad is buried in. So it, I, I've seen the grave that you're talking about. Um, and even though it was, what, I guess 20-some years later, they saw all this evidence of horrific abuse and were able to convict her based upon that even though it was 20 some odd years later so it was like national news i remember at the time Mm -hmm. so they must have someone must have always had that thought because it's usually the parents that always hold on to it and want to bring the case back up yeah yeah i think he had a brother who revealed the abuse or something like that. Again, okay. it's, it's a long time ago, so I don't remember the details other than, you know, it was a very big deal at the time. Well, um, the I want to continue a little bit about your um, hometown or close to your hometown. You are a St. Paul Saints fan. Am, am I correct? Yes. Yes. And uh, actually, I have a story about the St. Paul Saints. My brother uh, works for the state of Minnesota doing recycling. And uh, so he sometimes helps venues set up the recycling uh, for events. And when the St. Paul Saints opened their new stadium a couple of years ago, my brother was there on opening day to make sure uh, uh, everything uh, is going smoothly. And who should come strolling uh, down the concourse but one Mr. Uh, Bill Murray, who for some reason is a part owner of the St. Paul Saints. So my brother <laughs> of course got he is. <laughs> So my brother got a chance to actually meet Bill Murray and chat with him for a few minutes and he said he asked for a photo and Bill Murray said, oh, "I'm not working today." and we kind of wandered off. So That's fair enough. Yeah, you know. That's a good way to say it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that team 
was originally owned, or at least back in the day, was owned by Bill Veck, and now is is majority owned by his son Mike Veck. Is that correct? Uh, you know, I don't know a lot of details about it. Uh, you know, I just kind of I'm not super up to all the goings on right. with the St. Paul Saints, but uh, I haven't even been to the new stadium yet. I, I went to a few of the games when the uh, at their previous location, but just something you know it's not a huge fandom just something to entertain me well it's not it's not an affiliated um team with major league baseball it's it's probably the most famous independent uh baseball team in america i would think and i i'm sort of fascinated with independent leagues and bobby sent me a book recently that he'd read called the only rule is it has to work and it was by the guys who do the um uh uh, effectively wild podcast oh sure about uh, advanced metrics in in baseball, sure. It's a really sure. fascinating read. I, I'll I'll mail that to you, Michael. So we'll keep that chain going. Yeah, um, that sounds interesting. As someone who's who's into into independent minor leagues, uh, and and Bill Veck uh, from back in the day who did own those, saying he wrote a couple of really fascinating books. The first one was his autobiography, was Veck is in Wreck, and then he wrote another one called My My Life as a Hustler or something like that, and it was about all all of his years owning in major league baseball when he was sort of an outsider, he hmm. was the guy who did, um, uh, disco demolition night in, oh, sure. in, uh, in Chicago. And I think <laughs> 10 cent beer night. Um, <laughs> oh no. I yes, think the, four, the disco demolition stories. night ended up with the outfield completely on fire. And then 10 cent beer night, I think got canceled. The game got canceled somewhere in the middle. Cause you know, 10 cent beers. <laughs> You know. Yeah, I think Imagine uh, them doing fans that in Boston. were like rushing the field or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've been to a game in Boston because my brother went to college at Boston University. And I remember I was in the outfield and I say conservatively 15 to 20 fans got kicked out of that game. Like just every half inning, there would be security guards pulling some crazy fan out of the stands and kicking him out. So. It's, uh, that's right. part of the show, yeah. right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you go to Safeco Field and you just watch kids eat goldfish, and you right. know, it's like it's just two and a half hours of snack. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you ended up going to uh, USC. You you went to uh, film and TV school there. That that's correct. Yes, that's pretty prestigious. Nice job by yeah. you. Why, thank you. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) But you stuck it through. I did. I did. I graduated and everything. So uh, That's great. And in 21 years in the film industry, no one has ever asked me where I went to school. Right. So So, um, do you you actively hate USC or are you a USC fan? No, no. It, uh, you know, what I didn't like about it just was... For going to film school, we didn't get a chance to make a lot of films. Mm-hmm. It was very kind of bureaucratic. And, you know, you have two years where you're doing nothing but general education classes. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to make movies all the time. So it was a somewhat frustrating experience. To You have surprisingly few classes where you actually make films at film schools. So, Yeah, I would say it, I had a similar experience in broadcast journalism school. I mean... Not it wasn't until like later on in your junior year when you actually, outside of internships and work study, you, when you actually get to do stuff, and, yeah, and it, it yeah. is frustrating, you know. 
totally. Yeah, I can see that. And the other thing was, was it seemed like half the students that they admitted had a lot of film experience, filmmaking experience, which was me as well. I'd started making films when I was 11 and took all kinds of classes. And there was a great nonprofit in the Twin Cities that I made films at. And so I had a fair amount of experience, but they also seemed to admit a lot of students who never had made a film in their entire lives. And a lot of the classes seemed geared towards them. Mm -hmm. So it was like, this is a lens cap. You must remove this before <laughs> shooting yeah. type instruction. And it was just uh, maddening um, to uh, to have to sit through all that. Yeah, I get that. I, I'm not a, I mean, I'm, Film school, the film school there, obviously very impressive. It's an impressive school. It's a cool school. Um, the problem is, I they're my third most hated team in the Pac-12 for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, in terms of football, or in terms which... of yeah, football, football specifically, but in in general, just and it's it's mainly because like I hate the University of Oregon just because I mean they've gotten really good lately. Um, even when they weren't good, their their fans were always dicks. Um, <laughs> but they have fancy costumes. Yeah, they have a different different football costume every week. That's really if, <laughs> if, if that's if if you're the kind of kid who just wants to wear different football costumes every yeah. week, please go to Oregon. I don't want you. <laughs> and normally, I know that they're called uniforms, but Oregon, they have costumes. Yeah, they are. They're clownish. <laughs> They're quite clownish. So, so I hate them for lots of reasons. And I have to hate Wazoo. It's just obligatory. Um, what do you say? That's like the hammer hating the nail. Oh, the right. Nail right, the hammer. right. It's not a, it's not a rivalry anymore no. because the hammer and the nail don't have a rivalry. But uh, USC, it's based purely on their competence, in, particularly in football. I don't like that they're good every year. <laughs> It bothers well, when me. I was at USC, they were pretty bad those four years. I mean, I was that was such a short window, Mike. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like John Robinson, or they... what, what were those? Yeah, years? yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge football fan, so I think the four years I was at school, I went to one USC football game, mm -hmm. but uh, that was also yeah. John Robinson was the coach, uh, so, so and you got to be were... some kind of a terrible coach to not succeed at USC. I mean, really. Well, is that the is that because you went there during a stretch when they weren't illegally recruiting people <laughs> and Yeah. <laughs> That's probably it. They were they were uh, they were following all the NCAA rules <laughs> for those. And they're years. like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna start cheating. I'm always yeah. surprised when there's a school that like gets busted for cheating and they're terrible. I'm like yeah. <laughs> Come on guys. Right. <laughs> Well, the University of Minnesota has always been terrible at football, I think. So, maybe yeah, that's, pretty, uh... pretty bad. That's true. The <laughs> University of Minnesota really has. I was thinking about this last season. No major uh, Division One school has had less less success writ large or failure writ large. They're always just kind of bad. It seems like it's just boringly <laughs> yeah. bad. Is, it, am I, is, is that just my outsider's pers perspective, or I, I mean, I don't follow the their sports teams at all, but because uh, it seems like yeah, they're always just they're unremarkable. Not that good, yeah, <laughs> they're so, so unremarkable. It's pretty crazy. 
So when they're talking about uh, Minnesota on the sportive, I'm always like, why are you guys doing this? I don't get why you're talking about these guys. <laughs> the least interesting sports in the world. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> but to me, I guess it would be kind of calming, kind of soothing. Because like when the Mariners, when I was a kid and all the way up to when I guess in the early 2000s, the Mariners were, were terrible. And it was comforting that they were so terrible every year. It was so so not stressful, you know? Like yeah, you you're not worried about any games after like the middle of July. You're just not stressed about it because like, <laughs> sure, yeah, we might win today, but that'll get us up to 22 out of first place instead. Of- <laughs> yeah, the, that's the problem with the Twins this year is they're actually reasonably good at the moment. So stressful, it's right? Be, it's going to be all the more heartbreaking when they <laughs> right. when they start playing <laughs> right. down to their. A meager exactly. potential. So, yeah. I just, I just would rather them shit the bed early. Yes, the, yeah. The, and then just the Mariners took care of that this year, nicely. Being mediocre is really stressful and annoying. Yeah, being in contention past July, it, it <laughs> probably shaved years off my life. Those those years that the Mariners were decent. So now, yes. now we're back in a groove. So I'm not too worried about them, and uh, my heart's going to last a little bit longer. Yes, shockingly, uh, Luke's prediction about the Mariners having uh, the (sighs) ability to compete this year has not turned out to be true. I used to do that when I was a kid. Like like him, I would go up and down the roster, the pitching staff, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, if this guy does this, and if this guy does this, this you know, and they always finish sixth, you know. Back in the days when you could finish sixth, they would always finish sixth. I bet they could figure out a way to do that this year. (laughs) This year? Yeah. Get out of the way, Angels. I bet that most... See, uh, Mariners fans don't know that baseball goes into October. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> We're just full on about football as soon as, <laughs> as soon as it's. Oh over. yeah, yeah. Forget about it. So even August probably. I guess uh, I guess I'm done with sports talk, um, Christy. <laughs> I guess I'll turn uh, Mike over to you. All right, all right, Mike. How did you find the show? So like so many others, I found it via Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh, I actually first listened to the show based upon Luke Burbank's hosting Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which uh, I believe was right at the beginning of TBTL. And I thought Luke Burbank was the dumbest stage name I'd ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And that this guy was pretty funny. Uh, And it turns out that is, in fact, his real name. And... uh, so I listened to TBTL a few times. I guess this would have been when it was on the radio. And I thought, well, this is dumb and didn't listen to it again for a long time. And then based upon hearing Luke a couple more times on uh, TBTL or excuse me, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, I decided to give it another shot. And that would have been uh, the fall of 2009. So quite by accident, I basically managed to miss the entire radio run of the show and just heard it as a podcast do you do you remember what turned you off the first time you tried to listen to it was it a general thing or particular things no i i I don't remember at all i mean i actually went back and listened to like the first week of shows and they were pretty rough so it uh (laughs) doesn't surprise me that i you know what guys i think it's always kind of a disservice when we go back and listen to the beginning of, (laughs) of podcasts and shows because it is always rough, right? Yeah. It's, nobody comes out of the gate unless they're like a seasoned, I don't know, you're you're a pesca and you, you know, 
you're contracted to do this show and you do all these practice shows and all this stuff. You know, if you're just come out doing shows, it's it's never really good to start with, right? Well, yeah, and I think TBTL was specifically constructed to sort of be almost like an anti-show at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. where it yeah. sounds like they didn't really have a strong plan no, at the beginning. No. It was more just, hey, let's do a show. It was <laughs> more friends. like Jen, Jen doesn't want to take calls anymore. She's had, <laughs> never wants to take another call in her whole career. So that's yeah. the basis of, of this show, and I don't blame her. Um. So do you remember what your first episode, I guess the first episode where it hooked you more? I do remember the first episode that I was like, okay, I'm all in on this. And it was actually uh, a solo show of Luke's that he recorded in the basement. And he was talking about all the problems he was having with the sewers and the plumbing in the show, which as we would later learn turned out to be a recurring problem because he flushes wet wipes down the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) And also that would turn out to be a source of uh, tension between him and Vanessa for revealing such uh, intimate details about their life, which he never stopped doing. You know what? I don't don't remember (laughs) him revealing that um, and her name being involved in that. I thought it was just, I thought it was just Luke doing it, but he, he outed her as a flusher as well. No, no, he he said, I think it was just a few episodes afterwards that she was upset that he was discussing their sewage problems on the show oh. in such a detail. Like she was hoping he would keep that private. She felt yeah. that was a bit of an overshare, I think. So no. had she ever met him? Yeah, really. Like, he's well, like and then literally of course, paying the bill Luke shared that on the show as well. So yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Burbanking the, the poop. <laughs> yes <laughs> that has to be the name of the show <laughs> possible show <title. laughs> um so do you remember what episode um decided that you're a 10 turned you into a 10 i will i'll say that episode you know that's really the first episode that i can specifically remember uh really being into um but uh uh you know i, I i've don't remember exactly when I started listening, but by that point I was a regular listener. Um, did, were you a Sten? I would occasionally uh, hop on the Sten page and kind of lurk around. I didn't really interact a lot there, but I I generally wanted to save the uh, episodes for when I was out and about because, mm-hmm. uh, and also since I work in the sound industry, it's hard to have a show up while I'm working. So (laughs) (laughs) literally Um, the only, the only multitasking that there's no way you could do. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And have you had any TBTL appearances, your name, like uh, any emails being read or been on the show? Yeah. Yeah. I've had three emails read and I also contributed uh, two clips that uh, Andrew used in uh, the cold opens, uh, just a couple of months ago. Uh, the first email I had was about, uh, they were talking about the TV clean version of the big Lebowski and about how you find a stranger in the Alps yes, and how you go about changing that in a movie. And it is literally my job. My job is a re-recording mixer. So I mix movies and TV shows and commercials. And one of the things we do is go in and re-record, the actors come in to a studio and do something called ADR or looping, and they literally 
fix all the lines that didn't turn out on the set, which is a surprising number of lines, and then also replace all the swear words. So I was explaining that process to them. So that was my first email. My second email was, uh, it was a Let me music. ask you about that before yeah. you go on. Um, who writes that stuff? Or do they make it up on, the, you know? Well, my point was, I don't know this for sure, but I'm 99% sure that that was uh, the uh, Coen brothers themselves. That line is just too bizarre right. for them. That's what and I was going to no- ask, right? They're notorious control freaks as well. But usually it's just, the actor makes it up on the spot. Okay. You know, you're, you're kind of just, we usually don't put very much effort into it because it's silly and, mm. you know, there's there's not a lot of time. So it's like, eh, just put something that roughly matches the, your lips. You are, there, are there go-tos for each uh, word? Uh, n- not necessarily. I mean, I'm sure it's not something I do, uh, do supervise that a lot. Usually, there's somebody whose job it is uh-huh. specifically to record ADR. So, like a like uh, there's a director. Yeah, there, there's usually an engineer and somebody who's uh, assigned to supervise that. Okay, uh, gotcha. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. Usually, it's just that's that's part of the reason why it's so funny to hear the big lebowski is because the line is just so unusual and creative (laughs) you know it's a classic in your business you'd call that a classic absolutely that's a a great piece of art so (laughs) um yeah so uh the second email i had was a suggestion for music for your weekend which was a french rap song called uh je suis un strament and i was also correcting Luke's uh, pronunciation of the French singer Francoise Hardy, oh, and yes. and Luke made the point. I probably knew that, but it feels weird to pronounce French words correctly a lot of the time. Yeah, you got to put the stank on it, and you just don't feel confident yeah. enough to do it. it well, it's, it does it's, take a turn for the douche quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough because I've been learning French for about the past seven years now, and so and my French teacher, who's a native French speaker is extremely strict about pronunciation. So I've had that drilled into me. Mm-hmm. So when I'm just out, you know, in everyday life and I come across a French word, it's, it's always like, so do I pronounce this properly or do I sound like a normal human being speaking English? So mm-hmm. I understand that uh, tension. So because um, they're on the NPR station here in Austin. They're, um, there are a lot of stories with Hispanic names in them, and there are also, like, uh, I don't know, presenting sponsors of local shows that are Mexican restaurants. And, and oh, a lot sure. of times their, their write-ups include some menu items, and they always get the Hispanic people at the station to do it because the, you could tell the white people don't like doing it because they're <laughs> like, I, I can do it. But it's going to sound really douchey coming from me. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah. And then I just had a third email read a few weeks ago when uh, Luke and Andrew were having one of their spectacularly uninformed uh, uh, sport ball talks about uh, sending uh, baseball players down to the minors and uh, releasing players. And they couldn't figure out. Oh my some... God! Thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah. They couldn't figure out why some player had been from the Mariners had been released. So I wrote to explain a little bit how that works. I started and... sending an email, and then I was like, um, 
I don't know. I can't throw these pearls before Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love about Luke and Andrew's sport ball talk is they're so passionate and so ignorant at the same time. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy that they managed to get so worked up over anything, but they don't seem to know many of the yeah, they don't quite most understand basic it, facts but they're about really, the sport. They're really worked up over <laughs> Yeah, um, Mike's doctor actually told him to stop writing emails because his blood pressure got too <laughs> yeah i had that i i had that with uh writing luke uh dieting advice i tried oh. tilting at that windmill for a little while but realized that that was just making me crazy and certainly <laughs> right. he never paid any attention to it so right yeah uh so yeah that was the third email that i had and then the two uh, clips that I submitted that Andrew used were from the show uh, Detroiters on uh, Comedy Central, which, if you haven't seen it, is a very funny show. I highly recommend it. It's about two guys who run this tiny little local ad agency, uh, and they make all these very weird and very bad ads in the city of Detroit. But a recurring theme on the show is hot dogs. So mm-hmm. there are all these great jokes about hot dogs on the show, so I... Uh, submitted a clip where a doctor is uh, interviewing one of the lead actors and he says, how many hot dogs have you had today? And the guy's like, I don't know, maybe five or six. And he says, <laughs> uh, uh, or actually, no, he's, he kind of says, why do you ask that? And the doctor says, because your breath reeks of, of hot dogs and there's a mustard stain on your shirt. And he said, oh, I just had a hot dog bowl. And uh, the doctor's like, what's that? And he's like, it's a bowl made of hot dogs. So that was one clip, and the other one was the two characters are talking, and one says, oh, I don't feel very well. And, he, and the other character says, how many hot dogs did you have to see to have to eat today? And he said, oh, four or five. And the first character says, there's your problem. You're practically starving. Let me go see if I have any uh, <laughs> desk hot dogs. So <laughs> That's hilarious. So Andrew uh, liked those clips and used them in a couple of the, his opens. Uh, this was probably a month or two ago. So those were my appearances on the show. That's awesome. Um, what is your favorite drop? Ah, so I have three drops that I really like. Of course, uh, the It's a Tuna Bro is, uh, is a great Classic. one. Yeah. <laughs> I, as I mentioned, my brother went to Boston University, and I remember the first time I went there and encountered the Boston accent. There were times I literally had tr- trouble uh, understanding what people were saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that always reminds me of Boston and warms my heart. And uh, I also love the little sad uh, party horn that they use uh, as a drop. And then there's that one. Exactly. Yeah. That <laughs> always makes me smile when I hear that. Yeah. And then there's one that ha- I happened to cross in a show I was archiving that they've only used like two or three times but it's a woman just kind of matter-of-factly describing um nicknames for speedo so she's like it's the banana hammock the grape smuggler the miami meat tent (laughs) and it's you know it's her that one was from this american life right the the lifeguard episode yeah I looked it up on uh lynn fam's great uh, marsupial gurgle site and it is from a an episode of uh, This American Life, although I haven't heard that episode, so I don't know. It's pretty know good. I, yeah, what and, context. And, yeah, when she was doing it, I was like, wow, this is public radio and they're really, really, really going for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they've, it's funny because I think it was just uh, several years ago that he first used the drop, and then just recently he just played part of that drop uh, for 
for a, a split second. So I don't know if he's working that back into the rotation or if it was some misfire or something. But uh, my current favorite banana which I, hammock um, season coming up. What's That's that? true. It, it's banana hammock season coming up. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've been getting in shape for it. For sure. <laughs> no, my my current favorite one, and I wish it had come out in time to be on our merchandise, our LRB merchandise, is too loud and too specific. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. I started li- it, watching uh, Rick and Morty based upon uh, that drop. So, that. Yeah. yeah. It, butthole flaps it, drop. <laughs> it um, works in so many different situations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. And lastly... Why does TBTL matter to you? Well, you know, I love uh, both uh, Luke and Andrew. They both kind of represent various parts of my psyche. And uh, as it happens, uh, Luke and I are almost exactly the same age. He's four days older than I am. So a lot of his stories about either cultural references or growing up in the 80s, I can really relate to. Uh, but also, of course, I love all the uh, the tens out there. It's really a remarkable community and it's great to meet so many interesting and weird people. <laughs> so, and of course, anybody who makes a podcast about a podcast, I have to admit when I first heard that idea, I was like hard eye roll, but <laughs> LRB, I enjoy just as much as TBTL. So, well, why did you, why did you tune in then? If you had that reaction, I'm, I'm wondering this about people because I know it's probably an immediate turn off or turn on. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, certainly being familiar with you and Christy a, a little bit from uh, from TBTL, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that you didn't think we were going to puke on our shoes, at least. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then l- listening to the show, I genuinely enjoyed. Obviously, enough to to come on it, and you know, it's always great to hear everybody's hot takes every week, and and uh, you know, people's joys and frustrations with uh, TBTL. So. Uh, that uh, that has kept me coming back. And where to... else are you going to hear about penis fingers? Exactly. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> or get to tell poop stories. Right. 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 Well, before <laughs> before we get to that, have you been to any TBTL events? Did you meet a lot of folks? What, you mentioned the community. Um, yeah, I uh, I was at the uh, the LA live show in 2010. Okay, and. Uh, Christy and I actually talked about that, so that's going to be on one episode of LRB in the future. Oh, right. Uh, you were chatting about that before mm-hmm. we, we came on to record. Yes. Exactly. So, okay. yeah. So I was at that show, but as I said on on uh, to Christy earlier, didn't really get a huge sense of commu- community out of that show. I don't know if it was just everybody being too L.A. and too cool for school or what, but uh, uh, didn't really get to meet a lot of tens there. And then I missed the uh, I missed the live show in Minnesota last year, but I happened to be back in Minnesota this year, right when Luke and Andrew were there. But it was a short trip, so mm-hmm. I couldn't go to their uh, meetup that they had with Stu at the Surly Brewing Company, which was very disappointing because I would have been all over that. So, well, I got to say, when he announced that they were going to do a show in Southern California, I thought that was a mistake. I mean, from all my experiences with. With Southern California, it's just not a live show town. Well, you know, especially for the the. I mean, Luke, we were listening to these old clips, and he thinks that there were one hundred and twenty thousand people downloading the show. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's not the case. You know, and and L.A. just doesn't seem to be a hot market for L.A. San Diego. You don't ever hear about any San Diego tens. 
Well, it's yeah. I, I think the show is actually just way ahead of its time because since that time, a lot of the you know there was a great uh, guest list that showed up for the LA show, and since yeah, that time, absolutely. many of those people have gone on to have huge podcasts and huge success, and they've done live shows at much bigger venues and sold them out. Yeah, I so. guess I'm, I'm saying at the time. Yeah, at the time, podcasting was not a big deal, and they clearly didn't have a big fan base in Southern California. And I just, I just thought this, this is, uh, you know, he can do all he wants, get great bands, get great guests, but people just aren't. It's not going to work. Like when, when they, when they're going to go to Chicago or Minnesota, you know, uh, Seattle, obviously. You just, you just know there's a built-in base there because you experience it through the Stens page and through other, other outlets. You, you know, all the feedback they get, they don't, they don't get a lot of stuff out of Southern California. They just don't. Well, do you also think that it's there's so much going on, there's so much to do in California and Southern California that is just not on the radar? I mean, I've talked, I've heard Adam Carolla say it. He said, "I grew up in this city, and I'm going, I'm playing a theater that is a block away from my house, and I can't sell it out." Yeah, and he has just as big of names, and it's just that that's the market. He can go to Portland and sell out three days in a row, mm-hmm. a giant theater, but he can't do the will turn down the street. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that might be, that might be part of it. And I'll let Mike talk on that in a second. But my, my opinion um, is that a confessional show, a navel gazing show, kind of like um, Luke's, everyone is already navel gazing and being confessional and trying to get on reality shows in in, uh, in Southern California. So, it, I just don't think that that type of show interests people enough to pick it up, but that's just a theory I have. Yeah, it's interesting. It's always weird to me what things are super popular here and what things aren't, and it's not easy to predict. But it, there's definitely been an expanding market for podcasts and live versions of podcasts. So I think it's that's starting to become much more of a thing mm-hmm. now. Then they should do another show. Yes. Yes. Let's they should it. absolutely come back to Los Angeles and uh, I'll buy a ticket. So yeah. <laughs> me too. He's shell shocked. I don't think he's going to do that. <laughs> he's not going to New York. He's not going to LA, you know, right. Stay in Seattle or right down the middle of the country. You know, yeah. I-35 corridor is <laughs> that's P1 right there. Yeah. No, you're P1. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, three of three of our hosts here, you know, for the I-35 crew. So uh, you've chosen you chose a couple different clips, and we decided to go with with this one tonight. It's not the obvious poop one, which is the Kingdom Poop story. Did we do that with someone, Christy? Yet? I'm sure we have. I'm, I can never remember anymore know. which yeah. ones we've done and which ones we haven't. <laughs> but but uh, the Mike's chosen a uh, poop story that um, that boy. <clears throat> I was really. <laughs> I was really rooting for Luke when he was telling this. I remember exactly where I was driving somewhere in South Austin. I was trying to go to some tea shop to get a gift for Emily for her birthday or something or for some holiday. And I was wandering around trying to find this really obscure little house that sold these weird teas. And I remember I pulled over in the parking lot at this tea shop and and I was on pins and needles, you know, to see what was going to happen. So I guess I've properly... Set it up. So um, without further ado, play that tape for us. All right, you guys, uh, I want to uh, I, I want to just, uh, if we can, uh, hustle over to our top story. Um, 
Hello and welcome to Top Story. Um, after the uh, New York show, um, you guys know that I went on to Chicago like very quickly after uh, to do a taping of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, uh, which is a, f- a really fun thing. And it's very good for TBTL because they have I'm not kidding. I think they have like three million or four million listeners. Mm-hmm. And so when we can get on there and they can they're forced to say the name of the podcast, which always sticks in their throats a little bit. <laughs> you can tell that they're always kind of like, is this really the name? But it's way good promotion for the show. And it's really fun. And I, I like everybody that works on that show. But it's, you know, it's a it's a sort of a big deal. It's kind of a lot of pressure because there's a studio audience of, uh, I don't know, four or 500 people. And then it goes out to, to all these folks. So I got to Chicago. I was and uh, I was really tired and I went to the hotel and I took a nap and I got up and it was only as I was arriving at the auditorium where they taped this that I realized that I hadn't really eaten anything all day and I was super hungry. And in the back room, in the green room, they always have some food brought in from Boston Market, which I freaking love (laughs) because they don't really have Boston Market in Seattle anymore. Yeah, I loved that place, too. I know. Everyone I know loved Boston Market. Why the hell did it go out of business? I swear I ate that cream spinach like two times a week. Now they just have like the frozen meals of them around here. Yeah, it's not the same. Every time I'm in L.A., if I have a few minutes before my flight, I go to the Boston Market on Sepulveda. Before I take off from LAX, I'm a big fan. So I get there. I'm super hungry, and I go crazy on the Boston market. <laughs> I eat like a gallon of cream spinach. I'm going in for the mashed potatoes, which are pretty garlicky. garlicky. I'm rocking the chicken. It's it's on, right? And uh, I'm, uh, the show starts, and... Uh, the show is about two hours long. I don't know if people know this about Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, but it goes about an hour and a half of show, which they then cut down to being an hour. And then there's a sort of – there's a bunch of pickups that have to be done, and there's some Q&A with the audience. So the whole thing's about two hours long. And I would say about a half hour into it, I started to feel the worst diarrhea pains <laughs> – that you can possibly feel as a human being. I'm sitting on stage. I'm at the end of this little table. There is, by the way, no intermission. There is no halftime. This is a live taping. This is all happening in real time. They are recording the entire thing. There are no breaks. I start to have the worst stomachache I have ever had since I was... 14 years old and shit my pants at a Mariner game. (laughs) That was the last time I felt this kind of pain. And I am sitting there and I am thinking to myself, how is this going to end? (laughs) Like this goes, this goes one of two ways. I either stop this entire production and go, Hey, hang on, Carl Castle. I'll be right back and leave the stage. And then I'm in the bathroom and everyone's waiting for me. Can you imagine how, like, how, like my my state of mind and my emotional sadness I'm going to be feeling in that bathroom as I'm sitting there with literally millions of people waiting for me? Yeah. If you count the radio audience, or I shit on Roxanne Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Those are basically my two options. It was. Unbelievable. I was sweating. <laughs> I was having like flop sweat. People must have just thought, man, this guy is really nervous about being on this show. Did you have any gas? Were you sneaking no, out little No, and coops? I did not even dare. <laughs> I mean, I did not. 
That was that was an Ark of the Covenant that I was not going to crack the seal on because it was going to be like Indiana Jones. I mean, it was like everyone in that food. room was going to die. I was like, if I so I was doing this thing where I would sort of it would become really intense the pain. It wasn't even just I'm going to do this. You know what? I'm going to just go there. It wasn't just stomach pain, which is awful, but you can kind of do a thing where you leave your body a little bit, which, by the way, is what you really want to be doing when you're a guest on a comedy show (laughs) where you're taking a news quiz and you're supposed to be funny. What you really want to do is be hovering above the auditorium, not thinking about the show because that's good. But with pain, you can kind of disassociate yourself from the pain. But there was also a tremendous amount of pressure, (laughs) the kind of pressure that made me think there is a point – at which this levy is going to break. <laughs> and um, probably Spike Lee is going to make a documentary about this too because it is going to go down in history <laughs> as one of the worst tragedies of the modern age. Because I, I was like, when this levy... When le- the levy's broke, part two. Exactly. When, the, when this levy breaks, <laughs> this is going to be ugly. <laughs> and so I'm doing... There were really moments where I was like, oh, okay, this is happening. This is totally happening. And I would like sit up at the table and I would do some kind of butthole kegel exercise <laughs> and just like... I would just like summon... And meanwhile, I'm asked answering questions about Steve Jobs or whatever. <laughs> doing lightning fill in the blank. It was insanity. I really thought like this is going to go down as one of the worst moments of my entire life. And somehow, by the by the the hand of God, I kept it together. But I mean, by the it was one of those things where when I when the show was over and I was able to run to the restroom, I was like, "Well, let's see what Santa brought." <laughs> <laughs> as I as I finally was able to use the toilet, and amazingly, he brought nothing. But I would have been unsurprised were there were there had the process started early. If you know what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) They're already put in toys. That's exactly right. So if my performance was less than stellar, (laughs) if my jokes uh, could have been a little funnier, I just uh, hope you guys will cut me some slack because I was – I mean that was quite honestly – I'm trying to think of a worse – in terms of the my life anyway, in terms of the high-profile gigs that I get to do, that's probably the most high-profile gig that I, I get to do right now. I'm trying to think of something worse. Maybe like you're quarterbacking a team in the Super Bowl and there's 20 seconds left and you have no timeouts. Mm-hmm. And you get – I mean I'm trying to think of a wor- – even your like your wedding, that would be super awkward, but you could just be like – I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm, I mean, it would, again, be slightly weird, but it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, I'm trying to think of a worse time when this could happen, and I'm kind of stumped. Stuck in New York traffic and you're a taxi driver, and, like, you have to be in that cab. Oh, yeah. Where to go. Yeah, that would be that would be gross, except it would only be happening. You're alone. Yeah. It's not being broadcast. That's right. Or you have people in the back. Yeah, but that's, like, two people. That's two people, yeah. You're not sitting on a stage in front. True. I mean, that was the... We could spend a whole show on this. And we might. (laughs) We just might. And then, of course, this is me, right? So that happens. It's over. I I escape unscathed. And I'm going to meet the Chicago Tens, uh, who, by the way, are a lovely, lovely bunch of human beings. They're so great. We met up at this bar called Rossi's, which is just like a totally rad dive bar in Chicago that I love that was recommended to me by a 10. And I'm going there and I'm thinking, Jen, you had said something to me about – meeting uh, these listeners like we've been doing. 
uh, and you were saying you're a little worried that we're really demystifying ourselves with them. Yeah, I, I, I feel like once they're around us for 30 minutes, they realize how completely normal we are and it's not quite as fun for them. Yeah, and, and I was like, you know, there really might be something to that. So I was like, I better try to be cool when I get there and be like, just be, <laughs> seem extra special and awesome. So everyone will be like, oh, that guy Luke is cool. Did you like throw a quarter from across the room and it go in the jukebox? Yes. And like it started like yes. <laughs> I was the Big. I was the Fonz when I showed up, <laughs> which was awesome. Hey. So, so I, I was like. I was thinking to myself, I got to be cool with these folks. I got to like totally let them know that like I am rad and it's worth listening to this imaginary radio show. And I get there and I also said to myself, don't talk about the pooping story with them. That is like, you know, look, look up demystifying. And I get there and I'm like, hey, anybody want anybody need a drink? And, and they're like, yeah, OK. I grab a couple of drinks. I put the drinks down. And before the drinks had hit the table, I'm like, so I almost shit my pants. That's awesome. I was, I was like, I have no boundaries. I mean, and now I'm telling it on the air, so I guess it was going to get out sooner or later. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, Sean, I mean, you, you had a meetup in Seattle at the zoo with some people. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like, are you worried at all that, that when you meet the listeners, they're going to be underwhelmed? Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, because I don't know what to say. I'm like, oh, it's it's so flattering that they want to come there to see me or you. And so sometimes you get really nervous and you default to poo stories. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm nervous. I'll start t- telling something that I don't even want to talk about just to like have conversation flowing. I know. You know? Yeah. Flowing like the poop almost was. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I. How about you, Flash? You're going to have a meetup in Atlanta. Have you? Are you developing a? You always have a plan. This is your big planner. Do you have a new strategy for how to how to stay cool around the listeners and, and how to impress them? No, I don't have a strategy <laughs> for that at all. But I do find that most people have a, a couple good stories in them. So if I just ask some good questions, usually I get to get a good story. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I need to stop. I need to stop like assuming that I have to fill the any sort of conversational pauses mm-hmm. because that is t- totally my move. I am very uncomfortable with silences in conversation, and if there's ever a pause, I will then just jump in mm-hmm. and just yeah. head you know headlong and, and figure it out on my as it's happening. And then usually it's about pooping. Um, <laughs> so the suspense. Uh, Whew, that was I, – I think I, I might have had to go to the bathroom again while I was listening to that because I just wanted to make sure that I was going to be near in case something happened to me when, when we found out the result. But but he made it. Uh, why, why did you choose this one, Mike? You know, this I think is one of the all-time funniest stories ever told on TBTL, you know, both in the way Luke tells it and just what happened to him. Like that has got to be the – uh, nightmare scenario to not only experience severe gastrointestinal distress when you uh, can't go to the toilet, but to do so in front of a, a giant audience oh, yeah. while you're the f- center of attention and being recorded and trying to be funny uh, is just like, how could you possibly deal with that? And yeah. and then, of course, that Luke uh, took the time to share with us uh, this story in such great detail. You know, at the end of the clip where he mentions, uh, I uh, met up with some tens after the show, and of course, the first thing that pops out of his mouth is this story. So, <laughs> the, this is one time when Luke's lack of filter, you know, really uh, brought the gold to the TBTL audience. 
It was a it was a really great story, but I, I can't help but thinking the even better story would have been had he let loose on stage with that would have been the story <laughs> of the the production assistants. At wait, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> there, yeah, it's well. Here's the interesting thing. So I went and tried to listen to that episode of of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on the oh, website, and brilliant. oddly, that show is missing from the website. The week before and the week after it are there. And so part of me wonders, you know, if there's some sort of conspiracy where Luke called up Peter Sagal and said, hey, uh, you know, can you take that show down? I wasn't really at the top of my game. And I wonder if he ever revealed to Peter what was going on for him during that show. Oh, I would totally I would totally tell the other panelists and, and hosts. Whatever. I think they would just die. That'd be great. Well, thanks to Lynn Pham. He just sent me a link. And I may have it. Oh, so if I do, we'll put it in the show notes or yeah, please, please do because I want to listen to that show with that context in mind. It's really too bad that they they edit that show so heavy handedly because you would love to hear just a little bit like when Roxanne Roberts is talking and Luke going, oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. just some like deep lamaze type breathing oh, yeah. you know it's like or his uh <sighs> butthole kegels yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I love it when he said so my options were to run off stage or to shit on roxanne roberts <laughs> and, um but now that we know that she's an uh wait wait don't tell me cheater uh, maybe he should have yeah. yeah really a, a little uh that probably would have thrown her off now her that he's games. figuratively <laughs> shit on her why not add, yeah. add literally to <laughs> okay so um when i was listening to the to this clip something surprised me and it, it must be because i heard him talk about this i heard him tell the same story in another venue either it was on stack of dimes or maybe a secret show or maybe it was a private conversation but i rem- i remember him telling the story about how his underwear, when he when he was done and he went to the bathroom and nothing happened, but his underwear was more or less soaked with, um, uh, I don't know the technical term for it, but uh, poop juice, poop lube. I think he, yeah. I know what you're talking about because uh, I think he later described it as some sort of jelly-like yes. substance. Yes. I, uh, where did we hear this, Mike? I think he must have talked about it again on uh, TBTL. Okay, because you don't uh, listen to Stack of Dimes. I do on occasion, but so it's possible that that's uh-huh. where he said it. I'm just but, so uh, glad someone else remembers this because yes. it was driving me crazy. I'm like, when's he going to talk about the, the poop slime? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was in the initial telling of the tale, but no, he must have brought that uh, dazzling deep up at a <laughs> and the, later the reason it, it came to mind I, I we talked beforehand that we're each going to tell a poop story and I said I didn't really have a poop story other than the one where I had a shark at discount tire the other week <clears throat> but I actually <laughs> oh just that old story <laughs> well it'll become you know it'll become a canon soon but <laughs> the uh, the poop story I do have is um, when I was in the hospital last time uh, for my amputation, I was in there for like nine or 10 days because I had a, a, some different complications. And and so I was on um, all, diff- all different kinds, maybe three different kinds of painkillers the whole time I was there. And, you know, of course, I lied to them and told them that I was pooping so that I could go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got home and, you know, and I'm dosing down on the medication and it's finally something's finally happening. And I ate plenty in the hospital because the only 
the big impediment to me to eating um, f- during like the seven or eight months when I, my foot was broken before I went to went to get it amputated, um, pain was getting in the way of my appetite. So when I was in the hospital and on the painkillers, I was eating, you know. So I'm full of food, full to the top of food, and it's finally time to poop, and I'm still kind of on painkillers or whatever. And I got this poop, and it, it, it really wants to come out, but it's like, what do they call it when the baby, like, wants to come out sideways or something? Breach. <laughs> Breach. Right. right. And I can feel it, and it's awful, you know? And so, you know, hey, you tuned in for a poop for a poop show, folks, so get ready, get ready for fun here. So I'm sitting on the toilet, and I, I'm not peeing, but I, I hear what sounds like peeing. And it is that that um, lubrication or that poop slime <laughs> just falling into the toilet, you know, just totally going to waste. Cause, because it's, Wait, that's an actual thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Doctors, oh, no. let's chime in on this. Dr. Rob, <laughs> Dr. Jim, you know, we're very respectful of the, of the doctors on our show. We always call them by their first names. <clears throat> Makes them sound mm-hmm. like TV quacks or something, you know, <laughs> weight loss, Dr. Oz or whatever. So, yeah, that 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 happened to me, and and I thought I, I thought uh, he was going to talk about that during that clip, and obviously Mike did too. Christy, you have no memory of that. <sighs> I I feel like they talked about it maybe um, during dog talk and why dogs need oh, to have their anal glands expressed. That's a good guess. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Anyway, I, I can't say I took it to Gross Ten, but I mean, I, I parked us there for a while. I can say that. <laughs> At least a drive-by of Gross Town. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Christy, you don't like Boston Market? Uh, it's not for me. Uh, it's uh, very meat-heavy. And so the only thing I would ever get, it, they, they were around in the Seattle area maybe for about five years. And so the only thing I would get there is a Caesar salad, and they had this really annoying corporate rule that any time you ordered a Caesar salad, the whole restaurant would yell, Hail Caesar. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and so because of that, it like made my anxiety way too high that I just I couldn't do I'll it. I'll have a Caesar salad, um, hold the Hail Caesar, sub no yeah. Hail Caesar. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus, that's awful. That's like that's like the <laughs> bass drums of ferals that made, sent me diving under the table when I was six years old. You know, it's so annoying. Happy birthday! They, boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, this uh, this ice cream place, Cold Stone, had uh, it where every time you tipped them, they would have to sing you a song. Uh, and so I would just say, well, I'm not going to give you any money if you sing. <laughs> I will pay you two dollars to not sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they don't want to. It's a bunch of 16-year-old kids. They don't want to sing the song. They don't want to yell out, Hail Caesar. Like, it's just annoying. None of us want this. Well, at Pharaohs, they used to, when someone turned 16, they'd have someone kiss them. I mean, come yeah, on. That, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. People would go to jail for that now. <laughs> right, right, right. Some yeah, that's a sexual harassment manager suit at waiting to happen. <laughs> sticking their tongue down some 16-year-old boys. Yeah. Come on now, Mary Kay. Knock it off. So, are we going to tell poop stories now, uh, Christy? Yes. You want to you want to lead off since, since I took us to Groston 
let's 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 park the car and walk around the park in the middle in the town square. Okay, mine isn't about myself. It's about my best friend. Um, we met in a AT and T wireless training class in two thousand two. And uh, we were in this class for 10 weeks, so we all, it was a class of 20, and we all um, became good friends. And I, of course, started a club called the Cool Kids Club, and you had to fill out an application um, to be able to be in it. And we would all go out to lunch together. And so I would invite her, this person that was a stranger at the time, and she would always say, oh, I'm sorry, I have to go to my mom's house. And And after a while, that got kind of weird. Like, why is she? And so I said, are you letting a dog out or what's the reason? And she said, well, honestly, it's because I have, I have to poop like diarrhea every single day. And so I don't want to do it at work. And my mom lives uh, a couple miles away. So I go to her house to poop and, and then I can come back to class. And so now we have this thing of when you have to diarrhea, you have to go to mom's house. (laughs) And she often poops her pants um, where like she tries to uh, fart on people. She thinks it's really funny and that's <laughs> often <laughs> causing her to poop her pants um, from little tiny Mike size shirts to a full blowout. Um, <laughs> and she's recently, she's pregnant. So now it's even worse. Oh, I feel like I've never been pregnant. Knock on wood. Thank God. Um, but I just feel like your insides just don't, it's just like are fighting you at all times. Right. Everything's being yeah. crowded for space. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so she's often um, just pooping herself, just like. <laughs> oh no! So if, if anyone's thinking about getting pregnant, just know that a lot of poop and pee just like comes out of you at all times. Um, but she sends pictures of uh, the underwear and oh, also no. the toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, a little Ellie uh, likes to tell people, um, including her mom, who doesn't know any of these players in this game, uh, that Katrina poops her pants and she's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> so those are that's my poop story, Mike. Okay, so well, like you at the uh, tire store, I uh, pulled the trigger on a fart that I was absolutely sure it was just a fart where but, were you well this is the bad part of the story okay. i was on the bus at the time <gasps> no oh it gets worse i was almost at my destination and it gets even worse i was wearing tan pants at the time no yes were you sitting <laughs> i was sitting and i had that horrific moment when i pulled the trigger warm and i realized warm feeling <laughs> Warm Why is it feeling. warm? <laughs> Something this here be warm. has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> and, I'm cor- and of course, I'm darting around looking at other people uh, on the bus with me, seeing if it's evident, you know, what happened. And if people can tell if I'm stinking the place up. Do you up, have a sweater, you know, a jacket? Do you have anything nothing. you can... I am oh! just there myself. So I kind of gingerly get up and sort of stand by the door with my butt away from everybody did you did you know of, you had uh, did you know it had uh, it had uh, breached the the outside i knew i had breached the levee but of course i couldn't bend in any sort of way to no. uh, mm-hmm. to uh, you have to like squeeze those butt cheeks and like walk home as fast as you can best. well what i had to do was get on the bus 
back in the other direction to go home because I wasn't anywhere near my apartment. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were on your way home. No, I was almost at my destination. Nope. Ah! And so had to wait if for a bus to come the other direction. If your destination isn't a place where you can buy some, some new pants, then... Yeah, no. Yes. Home, so, home it is. <laughs> so that was the longest wait for a bus I've ever had in my entire oh! life. <laughs> did you just, then, uh, did you just uh, lean up against a building? What was your... Yes, yes. I, I leaned up against the bus stop and tried not to make eye contact with anybody. Yeah. And then hey, I you guys smell that? Of, wow. <laughs> what, and then I finally a bus came and I get on and I just try and stay as far away from everybody as I can. And ride Did you until, sit? Yeah, did you sit? <laughs> Christy, no, I, great I stood because I didn't want to, yeah. you know, do further damage to any bus seat so that good somebody person. else so nice. yeah, good would have to sit in. Uh, and then, of course, got off at the stope step, uh, the stop uh, closest to my house, but it was still like a ten minute walk home. Oh. So I had to do like the toy soldier stiff legged walk yes. all the way longest home. Longest walk of your life. Yes, longest walk of my life. Goose stepping the whole way home. Goose stepping the whole way home, and I get home. to take off my pants and assess the damage and I look and it could not have been more obvious what I had done like had I been how big was it 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 wasn't a huge quantity but it was a very clear stain that ran from my butt all the way down my pant leg so had I been wearing a a shirt that said I have just pooped my pants it would have been less obvious what had happened to me so i'm sure there were at least a few people on the bus who saw me and were like that guy's pooped his pants so that we we have my my good friend from prison a big country on here but uh, i'm not sure if we told the story about the time he had a blowout on the basketball court (laughs) (laughs) i think maybe you say it didn't actually happen uh, I don't know if he denies it. I don't care if he denies it because <laughs> yeah. I uh, I there. was there and I have witnesses, including Jeff, who you know because Jeff was a huge guy. They would guard each other, and and uh, once it was pointed out that Big Country had sharded on the basketball court, you know, um, <laughs> you're going to score a lot of points at that at that point because <laughs> nobody's yeah. coming near you. So they would just toss the ball to Big Country. He'd turn around and lay it in because Jeff's standing in, in the opposite corner of the court. <laughs> <laughs> you get a clear lay into the basket. Oh, yeah. You know, Country wasn't much of a basketball player, but he had a spectacular day. He, he was like Ice Cube. <laughs> he had a triple-double that day. Cause... <laughs> um, I had this old – I had a, a boss that I called Old Balls. Um, Luke actually talked about him on TVTL a couple times. And he came to the door. He would always come in about an hour late than me. And he, he was knocking on the front door of the – we had all glass – uh, window. He's knocking on the door, which I don't know why, because it was open. And he, I saw he was just in his. He always wore a suit every day, and he had no pants on and no underwear, and he was just <laughs> standing there with a shirt mm. and a tie and a jacket. And I said, "Oh my God, what happened?" I mean, he was like eighty-five, so maybe he forgot to put pants on. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like you never know with this guy. And he goes, "I just shit my pants. I shit my pants, and I shit up the. I shit up. I shit up the bathroom." And I said, oh, okay, oh, okay. And then he had his pants in his hand. And then I um, called all the people that worked at his house and we got him, we, we got him <laughs> new pants. But he sat on this really expensive <laughs> antique chair that was cloth. Oh. And he just sat there. <laughs> and then he told me to call the building and tell them that a homeless, that he saw a homeless person um, messing up the bathroom. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, and man. so to say that was the third time he pooped his pants at work. Oh, regular George Brett. Right. This is why I don't want to live to be 85. I'm sorry that happened to him. <laughs> my uh, my job at, at summer during uh, during college was at a healthcare supply company. And so I would ship out just crates and crates of adult diapers. And uh, I would just think, oh, I hope I never have to use these in my yeah. lifetime, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we have quite yeah. a bit of them here at the house, but it's it's for period flow. Different reasons. Yeah, it's, for, <laughs> it's for period reasons. It's for heavy, heavy flow and, you know, no shame in that at all. Nope. Nope. Um, okay, my poo story is actually a pee story. And that is when I was a kid, I think I was in first grade, because it was like the first year where um, I was in school all day. And my uh, elementary school was two blocks from my house. Um, so I'd walk to school and walk home. And I had these cowboy boots that I was really proud of. I love these cowboy boots. They, um, they were my pride and joy. And this was like the first week of school, and I was so happy to be wearing my cool-ass cowboy boots to school. And having, you know, it was like, it was after lunch, and I didn't know that you could, like, raise your hand and go to the bathroom, right? You know, when you're an all-day, you know, when you're not just in for three hours, you, it's up to you to kind of manage your bathroom thing. Because, like, when you're kindergarten, you're only there for a few hours and they, they give you a bathroom break or whatever. But like, when you're going to big boy school, you've got to manage your own bathroom stuff. So I, I sit there. I'm sitting there and, <laughs> uh, like, they finally let us out and we're going to recess or, or some sort of break or, you know, we're going to another classroom and I just peed down into my pants and into my <laughs> cowboy boots. <laughs> so I realized there's this break. So I, I go home and I, I, I take my, I take my pants and underwear and I throw them in the washer and start the washer because I was an independent kid. I was a, you know, I knew how shit worked. I knew how to do chores. I was a clip clop from way back. So got that going. And then what to do about the cowboy boots? You know, they're soaked. Both of them <laughs> inside just soaked with urine. And it broke my heart. But what I had to do was uh, our neighbors had a a pretty unkempt and like our backyard. There was like one tree, and the yard was always mowed. And our neighbors. The dad was in Alaska for like nine months a year and nobody took care of their backyard. And so it was like just a forest. So I took my cowboy boots that I love so much and I fired them over the fence <laughs> into my neighbor's yard. And, um, you know, it's heartbreaking because I love those things. But, you know, put on my, my little chucks. And went back to school. I was probably gone from from school for about 15, 20 minutes because I was fast. <laughs> I was an athletic little kid and nobody noticed I was gone and nobody noticed that my cowboy boots were gone and nobody ever noticed that they were in the backyard of our neighbors and nobody ever noticed that I never had any cowboy boots again because my, my parents were done parenting. You know, I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> by, the time, by the time I came along, nobody <laughs> gave a fuck. So it's it's uh, it's sad when that happens and you... You lose loved ones. And it never, 
it never occurred you to go back and get the cowboy boots at some later date, or you were just like, no, nope, they're they're soaked in your. That was a shame root. thing, you know. <laughs> gotcha. You didn't want to have to relive that. Well, you know, they experience. were they were lined they were they were lined with like, uh, it was the lining was yellow, and it had like a black pattern on it. But I just didn't see any way. Any that way would back. stink so bad. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine leather with urine in yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, I feel like I really just want to buy you some boots. I don't want a boot. Maybe we could maybe we could find someone with the right leg and get you a size 13 boot. Yeah, Michelle Zinkowitz and I there have talked about, you know, joining the sock club, but she's like a 6, <laughs> a lady 6 and I'm a men's 13, so not going to work. So far we haven't figured out how that's going to work. <laughs> but maybe I'll maybe I'll get a boot for the uh for the big show in Austin, who knows. Oh, I like it. And a hat. Oh, man. No. I feel like you either need a, one of those giant foam uh, cowboy hats right. or a tiny little one. <laughs> right, right. Definitely go tiny. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Just that. Men on film size. <laughs> oh, good pull. Good pull. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> oh, so I had one more thing about uh, the clip that I'd forgotten to bring up. Um, I don't think the Boston market part of it really played into this because – that he ate that right before he went out there, and digestion takes like I don't know five and a half, six to eight hours. Um, so he wasn't. What was what was on deck was not the Boston market. It may have been pushing <laughs> down on the Boston. I mean, the Boston market may have been pushing down on whatever was on deck. The cherry on the top. Yeah. Well, I also think um, because Mike, you talk about this a lot, being having worked in food service. That yeah. Most people just have the flu when yeah. they're puking. Um, it, it's not food poisoning when it's 24 hours later after you ate those oysters. Or, or like, no, most people like think like, oh, I got food poisoning at Taco Bell when I ate there an hour ago. No, that's not how that no, works. No, no. You might feel shitty because yeah. you ate at Taco Bell, <laughs> but you're not, you don't have food poisoning because you ate at Taco Bell an hour ago. Because that's going right. to take about what eight hours could average. could be, though... Is if Luke was doing one of his craziest diets, which he probably sure. was, where he was only having coffee and turkey, right. and then he <laughs> went in and ate his weight in cream spinach and hail Caesar the salad, that's going to mess with your, your gutty works. Not yep. necessarily that it's food poisoning, but just like your body is saying, oh no, what is this mm-hmm. food? Yeah, if your stomach's already started to cramp and whatnot from something you'd eat and eight hours previously and then you pack a bunch of food on top of that that cannot be good i know i've gotten food poisoning really badly three times in my life and it is just like a wrenching gut pain so if there's anything else there it's certainly only going to exacerbate the problem you know or if he i think he said he starved him like he hadn't eaten all day so he'd probably starved himself and then the day before that only eaten whatever and then you just add coffee to this mm-hmm. yeah which is a laxative normal <laughs> you know a natural laxative that's stuff's gonna it's like come you're, out you're, yeah it's a ticking time bomb it's like your pregnant away. friend but instead of a baby growing inside it's like a bunch of cream spinach Carbs. and, and uh, <laughs> garlic mashed potatoes it's a carb baby <laughs> so that that food baby is pushing down on on whatever poor decisions <laughs> yeah. you've made you know in the yeah. in the other hours previous I kind of wish, and also we know that he had gone from the live show 
in New York to this. So who knows what kind of bad decisions he was making for days before. Mm -hmm. Drinking, getting drunk with Eugene Merman. Lots of pizza. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's just a a recipe for disaster. But how many of us wish that this had become a stand-by-me Barfarama situation? <laughs> that is a great reference. Well, that would that would be fortunately awesome. fortunately the the <laughs> diarrhea thing doesn't work like the like the barf thing because like if like if uh, yeah. Farnan has his uh, diarrhea on the bus and then someone catches catches wind of it and then they're like oh now I got it too yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> it may it may make them Although barf see, but not, they're not going to diarrhea over yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely see somebody's diarrhea inducing somebody else to barf. <laughs> right, <but> right. Yeah. <laughs> that is at least if there's one good thing about having diarrhea is that it's not contagious. So. Also, if you could if you could diarrhea on demand, that would be that would get you out of some jams sometimes too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to go home. Like an oh oct- boy. <laughs> yep. I'm out. <laughs> like an octopus with a with Right, a right, right, right. Oh, little squirter. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't do the project today, guys. Hey, you, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do either either of you have anything else about the clip? Uh, no, I think uh, that's it. Uh, I mean, I do I do love how Luke says, "Oh, I didn't really want to tell anybody about this," and then I saw some tens, and I immediately told everybody about <laughs> it. You know, just to <laughs> I had diarrhea on the show. It, it, oh. yeah. <laughs> I love. It. I would. Tell, I would tell that. That's hilarious. Um, I think I'm always going to say if if I ever have the situation where I poo my pants, I'm going to say that Santa brought wooden toys. <laughs> that needs to be the new code. <laughs> well, Santa brought they brought him to mom's house. Right. <laughs> Stop by mom's house, but Santa had already delivered the toys. So <laughs> uh, Well, there's also the the story that a listener told on TBTL about having uh diarrhea on a boat. And, oh, you know, just a minute, Ron. Yeah, just a minute, Ron. So that's <laughs> one that always pops into my head when when yeah. uh, things head sideways. Is right. <laughs> just shut out. Just a minute, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Christy, you want to keep some house? Sure. Um, I would like everyone to archive. And in fact. Mike was our first winner of the raffle. I was absolutely. I got all kinds of great stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, so he's done. He's on his sixth week right now, and he was entered to win, and he won lots of great Seattle-based prizes. And so everyone should do that. You get for every day that you. He do, also you got applets and contests. Let's not forget that right. I did. Through those, I did. I salute. Still sitting on my. Uh, <laughs> They're still sitting on my shelf. I add that one, and they were disgusting. So thank you, and, Jeremy, for that. And you know that those have probably been at the store for 10 years. And <laughs> you can yeah. unload them on uh, on eBay or Pinterest as doorstops for dollhouses. <laughs> well, what I was thinking of doing was just going out on Santa Monica Boulevard here in West Hollywood and just laying them on the street because people will pick up absolutely anything here and just okay. seeing how long it took before somebody walked by and and took them away so oh, maybe i'll yeah, do a little a sociological experiment <laughs> even even abby would turn up her oh, nose at that and there are calories in there and that, so that means a lot 
<laughs> right. They're they're pretty disgusting. Um, let's okay, and then go to our. If you're going to buy something from Amazon and you don't already uh, support some charity because they have a really good charity program, which I shouldn't be pitching, but um, go to littleredbandwagon.com/slash/amazon and buy stuff, and we'll read off the weirdest stuff. We should do that again. Um, we <laughs> should pull those. I'm sure about half of that weirdest stuff is stuff I've ordered using your links. So. Surprisingly, it's Meredith, do, usually. I know. I do a lot of weird ordering for work. So I just recently bought four Echoes for work um, or Alexa. Or did you buy one Echo Alexa? and then it just <laughs> echoed four times? <laughs> or three times? times. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. And yep. Oh, and go to our website, littleredbandwagon.com, because we have merch. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It is. I just ordered my t shirt. It's expected to arrive tomorrow. So, rawr for that. (laughs) I'm going to have a hoodie, and I think um, Emily has ordered a tote bag and a t shirt. So, yep. That should be coming soon. Um,. Hopefully by the Austin show. If you ordered in time, hopefully people will have it for the Austin show. Well, it's show. about to go into the hundreds every day for about four months, so I need that hoodie to to, <laughs> to stay warm. Maybe, Mike, maybe we should get you some LRB underwear <laughs> for those well, times. My my idea was to do uh, an LRB uh, crop top, you know, nice mesh, and then, you know, at least the king of Thailand would sure. order one. Yes, you know? <laughs> that's true. That's true. You know, uh, one time my dad used to travel a lot when I was uh, young, and because and, he worked for J.C. Penney as a uh, auditor, he would he was a certified internal auditor, and he would audit the department stores. And so his territory was the Northwest, but Penney's was, and I think still is, um, located out of Dallas, like the home offices in Dallas. So he would go to Dallas occasionally. And one time he brought me home a shirt, a Texas A&M shirt, and it was a half shirt. And I was in, like, high school, <laughs> no. and I started wearing it to go, like, play pickup basketball or whatever. And, and uh, you know, I didn't mind how it looked. You know, I had rock hard, you know, 15-year-old, 16-year-old abs. I wasn't ashamed of that. <clears throat> but then, like, I got to college, and I think I was, like, we went to, like, a wet T-shirt contest, and the girls were all wearing shirts just like my... <laughs> Texas A&M shirt and I was like have I been was I oh god <laughs> I was wearing a girl's shirt and I'm still on the fence about that Emily thinks it was a boy's shirt I'm not so sure it was the 80s I, yeah as a child of the 80s I definitely remember guys wearing crop mm-hmm. shirts okay. from time especially to time in te- especially so. a Texas one but if it was a lady shirt just put on some lady stirrup <laughs> Exactly. Some leg warmers while I'm playing basketball over at Green Lake. Yeah, it would have been would have gone over. Really there. commit. <laughs> All right. Uh, how to get involved with the show. Um, be like Mike. Uh, go to littleredbandwagon.com and uh, fill out the form. Who knows? Maybe you can um, get on the show, do a recap, do one of these shows, and I'm sure we'll be tapping Mike to get in the game at different spots as I continue to do a disappearing act on the show. Uh, Facebook, um, you can go to the Stens page or our page for a better experience. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. Mike, do you want to give out your social media info, Instagram, uh, Twitter, that kind of stuff? 
Sure. You can, of course, friend me on Facebook. Uh, my Twitter handle is mfarnan. That's M-F-A-R-N-A-N. And on Instagram, I'm M underscore Farnan. So if you want to see lots of pictures of sunsets and food I've cooked, follow me on Instagram. Nice. You can email, email us at <laughs> littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemail is 802-432-TBTL, 802-432-8285. We got a voicemail last week that just knocked me on my ass and it was mm-hmm. um it was about because we were talking about uh vets telling you your dog is fat and it was a voicemail from someone i'm, I'm sure they're going to talk talk about this on the recap but um i wasn't on that recap uh wow she talked about how she took her dog when her dog was basically dying and it was a big big dog and the vet was real rude and wanting to put the dog on a diet and all this. And she talked about how she appreciated the mobile vet because she couldn't pick her dog up anymore, you know, and the mobile vet came and they, they are, they're doing amazing work. These mobile vets, we almost, I had to get one in Frank's case. We didn't, but, um, being able to be with your, your dog when they're put to sleep is, is a pretty great experience. So, um, these voicemails you send, even if you don't want us to read the, or to play them or read your emails on the air, that's fine. But interact with us because um, you will make it rain on my face, uh, either with a dog <laughs> story or a poop Ooh, story. New segment. Try to make Mike cry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's it uh, for tonight. Uh, Mike, thanks for... Being a trooper and, and doing a marathon recording session with Christy, I was glad I was able to get on here. This was a really fun show. So thanks again. Well, thank you for having me back on the show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Christy, you want to get us out of here? Sure. Until next time, this is the next party. Uh, we love you, Jeff. Nailed it! All right, Luke, you're up next. Fill in the blank. Because of continuing problems with the gas pedals, blank halted sales of some popular models of their cars. Toyota. Right. In the closest vote ever for the position, the Senate confirmed blank for a second term as Federal Reserve Chairman. Ben Bernanke. Right. An American filmmaker in Haiti said he survived the earthquake with the help of his blank. iPhone app. Yes. Catcher in the Rye author blank died in New Hampshire at age 91. J.D. Salinger. Right. A Missouri man believed to have stolen a $20,000 diamond ring blanked during police questioning. Died. No, coughed the ring up. <laughs> the movie Titanic was beaten out as the top-grossing movie of all time by blank this week. Avatar. Right, because he was busy preparing for the State of the Union address, President Obama was excused from blank in Illinois this week. Jury duty. Right, a Florida man suspected of grand theft auto was arrested by police who found him at home blanking. Playing the game Grand Theft Auto? Of course. <laughs> he takes his work home with him. He does. <laughs> the stolen SUV parked outside Mikkel Ecke's apartment was the first clue, but when police found their suspect playing Grand Theft Auto, they knew they had their man. <laughs> police also named Ecke's as a person of interest in a number of other crimes, including toppling a gorilla down a ladder <laughs> and forcing a frog to hop across a busy highway. 